Part three, chapter two, section four of the possessed by Fyodor Dostoevsky, translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Part three, chapter two, the end of the fete, section four. The fire frightened the inhabitants of the riverside just because it was evidently a case of arson it was curious that at the first cry of fire another cry was raised that the spiegelin men had done it it is now well known that three spiegelin men really did have a share in setting fire to the town but that was all all the other factory hands were completely acquitted not only officially but also by public opinion besides those three rascals of whom one has been caught and confessed and the other two have so far escaped fedka the convict undoubtedly had a hand in the arson that is all that is known for certain about the fire till now but when it comes to conjectures it's a very different matter what had led these three rascals to do it had they been instigated by any one it is very difficult to answer all these questions even now owing to the strong wind the fact that the houses at the riverside were almost all wooden and that they had been set fire to in three places the fire spread quickly and enveloped the whole quarter with extraordinary rapidity the fire burnt however only at two ends at the third spot it was extinguished almost as soon as it began to burn of which later but the petersburg and moscow papers exaggerated our calamity not more than a quarter roughly speaking of the riverside district was burnt down possibly less indeed our fire brigade though it was hardly adequate to the size and population of the town worked with great promptitude and devotion but it would not have been of much avail even with the zealous cooperation of the inhabitants if the wind had not suddenly dropped towards morning when an hour after our flight from the ball i made my way to the riverside the fire was at its height a whole street parallel with the river was in flames it was as light as day i won't describe the fire every one in russia knows what it looks like the bustle and crush was immense in the lanes adjoining the burning street the inhabitants fully expecting the fire to reach their houses were hauling out their belongings but had not yet left their dwellings and were waiting meanwhile sitting on their boxes and feather beds under their windows part of the male population were hard at work ruthlessly chopping down fences and even whole huts which were near the fire and on the windward side none were crying except the children who had been waked out of their sleep though the women who had dragged out their chattels were lamenting in sing-song voices those who had not finished their task were still silent busily carrying out their goods sparks and embers were carried a long way in all directions people put them out as best they could some helped to put the fire out while others stood about admiring it a great fire at night always has a thrilling and exhilarating effect this is what explains the attraction of fireworks but in that case the artistic regularity with which the fire is presented and the complete lack of danger give an impression of lightness and playfulness like the effect of a glass of champagne a real conflagration is a very different matter then the horror and a certain sense of personal danger together with the exhilarating effect of a fire at night produce on the spectator though of course not in the householder whose goods are being burnt a certain concussion of the brain and as it were a challenge to those destructive instincts which alas lie hidden in every heart even that of the mildest and most domestic little clerk this sinister sensation is almost always fascinating 
i really don't know whether one can look at a fire without a certain pleasure this is word for word what stepan trofimovitch said to me one night on returning home after he had happened to witness a fire and was still under the influence of the spectacle of course the very man who enjoys the spectacle will rush into the fire himself to save a child or an old woman but that is altogether a different matter following in the wake of the crowd of sightseers i succeeded without asking questions in reaching the chief centre of danger where at last i saw lemka whom i was seeking at yulia mikhailovna's request his position was strange and extraordinary he was standing on the ruins of a fence thirty paces to the left of him rose the black skeleton of a two-storied house which had almost burnt out it had holes instead of windows at each story its roof had fallen in and the flames were still here and there creeping among the charred beams at the farther end of the courtyard twenty paces away the lodge also a two-storied building was beginning to burn and the firemen were doing their utmost to save it on the right the firemen and the people were trying to save a rather large wooden building which was not actually burning though it had caught fire several times and was inevitably bound to be burnt in the end lemka stood facing the lodge shouting and gesticulating he was giving orders which no one attempted to carry out it seemed to me that every one had given him up as hopeless and left him anyway though every one in the vast crowd of all classes among whom there were gentlemen and even the cathedral priest was listening to him with curiosity and wonder no one spoke to him or tried to get him away lemka with a pale face and glittering eyes was uttering the most amazing things to complete the picture he had lost his hat and was bareheaded it's all incendiarism it's nihilism if anything is burning it's nihilism i heard almost with horror and though there was nothing to be surprised at yet actual madness when one sees it always gives one a shock your excellency said a policeman coming up to him what if you were to try the repose of home it's dangerous for your excellency even to stand here this policeman as i heard afterwards had been told off by the chief of police to watch over andrey antonovitch to do his utmost to get him home and in case of danger even to use force a task evidently beyond the man's power they will wipe away the tears of the people whose houses have been burnt but they will burn down the town it's all the work of four scoundrels four and a half arrest the scoundrel he worms himself into the honour of families they made use of the governesses to burn down the houses it's vile vile ay what's he about he shouted suddenly noticing a fireman at the top of the burning lodge under whom the roof had almost burnt away and round whom the flames were beginning to flare up pull him down pull him down he will fall he will catch fire put him out what is he doing there he is putting the fire out your excellency not likely the fire is in the minds of men and not in the roofs of houses pull him down and give it up better give it up much better let it put itself out ay who is crying now an old woman it's an old woman shouting why have they forgotten the old woman there actually was an old woman crying on the ground floor of the burning lodge she was an old creature of eighty a relation of the shopkeeper who owned the house but she had not been forgotten she had gone back to the burning house while it was still possible with the insane idea of rescuing her feather bed from a corner room which was still untouched choking with the smoke and screaming with the heat for the room was on fire by the time she reached it 
she was still trying with her decrepit hands to squeeze her feather bed through a broken window-pane lemke rushed to her assistance every one saw him run up to the window catch hold of one corner of the feather bed and try with all his might to pull it out as ill luck would have it a board fell at that moment from the roof and hit the unhappy governor it did not kill him it merely grazed him on the neck as it fell but andrey antonovitch's career was over among us at least the blow knocked him off his feet and he sank on the ground unconscious the day dawned at last gloomy and sullen the fire was abating the wind was followed by a sudden calm and then a fine drizzling rain fell i was by that time in another part some distance from where lemke had fallen and here i overheard very strange conversations in the crowd a strange fact had come to light on the very outskirts of the quarter on a piece of waste land beyond the kitchen gardens not less than fifty paces from any other buildings there stood a little wooden house which had only lately been built and this solitary house had been on fire at the very beginning almost before any other even had it burnt down it was so far from other houses that no other building in the town could have caught fire from it and vice versa if the whole riverside had been burnt to the ground that house might have remained intact whatever the wind had been it followed that it had caught fire separately and independently and therefore not accidentally but the chief point was that it was not burnt to the ground and at daybreak strange things were discovered within it the owner of this new house who lived in the neighbourhood rushed up as soon as he saw it in flames and with the help of his neighbours pulled apart a pile of faggots which had been heaped up by the side wall and set fire to in this way he saved the house but there were lodgers in the house the captain who was well known in the town his sister and their elderly servant and these three persons the captain his sister and their servant had been murdered and apparently robbed in the night it was here that the chief of police had gone while lemke was rescuing the feather bed by morning the news had spread and an immense crowd of all classes even the riverside people who had been burnt out had flocked to the waste and where the new house stood it was difficult to get there so dense was the crowd i was told at once that the captain had been found lying dressed on the bench with his throat cut and that he must have been dead drunk when he was killed so that he had felt nothing and he had bled like a bull that his sister marya timofyevna had been stabbed all over with a knife and she was lying on the floor in the doorway so that probably she had been awake and had fought and struggled with the murderer the servant who had also probably been awake had her skull broken the owner of the house said that the captain had come to see him the morning before and that in his drunken bragging he had shown him a lot of money as much as two hundred roubles the captain's shabby old green pocket-book was found empty on the floor but marya timofyevna's box had not been touched and the silver setting of the icon had not been removed either the captain's clothes too had not been disturbed it was evident that the thief had been in a hurry and was a man familiar with the captain's circumstances who had come only for money and knew where it was kept if the owner of the house had not run up at that moment the burning faggot stack would certainly have set fire to the house and it would have been difficult to find out from the charred corpses how they had died so the story was told one other fact was added that the person who had taken this house for the lebyadkins was no other than mr stavrogin nikolai vsyevolodovitch the son of varvara petrovna 
he had come himself to take it and had had much ado to persuade the owner to let it as the latter had intended to use it as a tavern but nikolai vsyevolodovitch was ready to give any rent he asked and had paid for six months in advance the fire wasn't an accident i heard said in the crowd but the majority said nothing people's faces were sullen but i did not see signs of much indignation people persisted however in gossiping about stavrogin saying that the murdered woman was his wife that on the previous day he had dishonourably abducted a young lady belonging to the best family in the place the daughter of madame drozdov and that a complaint was to be lodged against him in petersburg and that his wife had been murdered evidently that he might marry the young lady skvoreshniki was not more than a mile and a half away and i remember i wondered whether i should not let them know the position of affairs i did not notice however that there was anyone egging the crowd on and i don't want to accuse people falsely though i did see and recognized at once in the crowd at the fire two or three of the rowdy lot i had seen in the refreshment room i particularly remember one thin tall fellow a cabinet-maker as i found out later with an emaciated face and a curly head black as though grimed with soot he was not drunk but in contrast to the gloomy passivity of the crowd seemed beside himself with excitement he kept addressing the people though i don't remember his words nothing coherent that he said was longer than i say lads what do you say to this are things to go on like this and so saying he waved his arms end of part three chapter two recording by expatria in bangor maine